With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF. We are, of course, the flagship show of the 1012 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your source for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for a bonus podcast. Yes, don't worry. Picks Pod will still be up on Thursday with myself, Daniel, and Chris. I recorded an interview with our good friend Shahan J. Raja of CBS Sports. Uh, he was part of the college football playoff selection mock committee. Wrote a really great article at CBS Sports. You can go check it out. But I wanted to get him on to talk about some of the things that he learned from that experience uh, and some of the takeaways that we can have for the Big 12 conference specifically. Interview went longer than I had originally planned. Not a bad thing. It was really good. It's a fantastic interview. So I decided instead of trying to cram it into our picks pod, which already gets a little bit long and having some monster long episode come on Thursday, just have a bonus pod for you today. And then we'll have our picks pod on Thursday with Daniel and Chris. Plus, this gives me another great opportunity to remind you about the exclusive opportunity with Homefield going on right now. It is 10, 12 week at Homefield Apparel. We have 10 fantastic Big 12 t-shirts. One for each of the current members. They're available for 15% off with the promo code 1012WEEK. T-E-N-1-2-W-E-E-K. Whether you're a first-time buyer or a repeat shopper, all these shirts, 15% off. So if you're a Baylor fan, Baylor's pushing Go Gold. There is a Gold Sikkim Bears shirt available. we got a Reckham Texas Tech basketball shirt. Hail to old KUT, the Sooner Magic 13-0 2000 National Champ shirt for Oklahoma, Ride'em Cowboys for OSU, Pride of Wildcat Land. It's freaking, it's a freaking Wildcat playing a bass drum. And of course, my personal favorite, or one of my favorites in this collection, the Rah Rah TCU Vintage Tee with the Horn Frog and the Pimp Coat and a pennant. I have it. It's incredible. There's a Cyclone Basketball Tee. It's amazing. Go check this out. Link is in the show notes. Link is on our Twitter account at 1012 Network. We'll keep posting it in the stories at 1012 Pod. You go to homefieldapparel.com forward slash collections forward slash 10 12 week. 10 shirts, absolutely incredible. 15% off, whether you're a first time buyer or a repeat customer. All you do is use the promo code 10 12 week, T E N 1 2 W E E K. This promotion ends at 11.59 p.m. on Sunday. And I believe that's Eastern Standard Time for those of us in the. In, God's time, central time. So go make your purchase before it's too late. We appreciate that you do this. They're fantastic shirts. You're going to want one anyways. But this is great for home field. It's great for us. It's going to help us uh, potentially have the opportunity to do more unique promotions for Big 12 fans with home field apparel in the future if this goes well. So go shop, go buy. It's a great opportunity to get a shirt for your school or one of the other members of the Big 12. Like I said, bonus pod, Shahang. 
Like I said, bonus pod, Shahan J. Raja, CBS Sports. Let's get to it. All right, at this point, I'm not sure there's a, a better voice for the Big 12 nationally than the man that we have on today. That is Shahan J. Raja of CBS Sports. Uh, we all know him. We all love him. And every time he pops on a Big 12 show, we just know he's one of our guys. Like, I know you're national now, but you're still a Big 12 guy at heart, and we love you for that. Uh, Shahan, welcome back, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a little while. It has. It's been too long. Uh, it happens. You know, I just we get into the season. It, it It's harder and harder to find time to bring guests on. But this was a unique opportunity and a, and a unique situation. So we wanted to get you in. You were part of the college football playoff uh, mock selection committee that they do every now and then. I assume my invitation just went into my junk mail and I just completely missed it because who actually checks their junk mail ever? But Shahan, you, you wrote a great article at CBS uh, about your time and some of the takeaways there. But as we all know, not everybody likes to read and, and reading comprehension can be hard. So I wanted to get you on the show and kind of talk about some of your takeaways, um, some of your takeaways for the Big 12 specifically uh, as a conference that doesn't get a team in every year but would like to. And then, of course, we know that the playoff will be expanding from four teams to 12 here in the near future. Uh, and, and so how do you apply some of the things you learned based off this four-team model and apply it to a, a much bigger field as well as a different situation with teams getting automatic qualifiers as conference champs. So, I mean, just kind of out of the gate, I mean, what, how, what do you feel like your experience was going through this? Maybe maybe the biggest thing that you went in thinking you, you knew about this whole situation and, and came out with a different perspective on? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think one of the biggest things is, first of all, you know, people put in this work, you know, like, I, I think that that's one of the biggest things is that whenever you have an issue with the committee, like, it is not because they're not trying their best, right? Like, I think that one thing that really stood out to me was the amount of thought and the amount of debate and the amount of uh, argument and, and the way that things are structured, uh, just to figure out spots 21 through 25. Right. Like there is not just a focus on one through four or one through three or anything like that. Uh, it, it really is just because of the way that it's structured, uh, I, I think really does emphasize going and, and paying attention to everybody in that top 25. So they do put thought into it. But the other thing that I will say is that, you know, it was a cool experience for me because, first of all, you know, just getting to be in that room, getting to be in that seat. But like our group was great. I, I thought that our group actually kind of, uh, had some of the same dynamics that maybe the actual committee deals with. Because, for example, you know, we had several former players who are involved, who are media members now involved. So, like, EJ Manuel was there. Uh, Deuce McAllister was there, former Saints running back. Uh, you know, uh, Devin Gardner was there, former Michigan quarterback. And so you kind of had this mix of people who look at the game very differently. Obviously, I look at it, I, you know, I, I embrace some of the statistical stuff. I'm obviously from this part of the country. There were other guys who were, you know, much more like, hey, you know, recruiting. Yeah, there were people who were, hey, more, you know, like track record, things like that. There were, you know, there were people who had all sorts of different opinions on how we should look at these teams and how we should evaluate success. And so, you know, another part of it, whenever you see that top 25 rankings, remember, you know, the, the way that they actually do it. And again, I get into it a little bit in my article at CBSSports.com. And really, I didn't want to get too far into it because the process of it has been so reported and written about. I don't I, you know, I didn't want to just get, uh, you know, just write another rehashing of that. But basically, they split 
each of their voting groups kind of up into pods, right? So they vote one through three, they vote four through six, and then seven through nine. And then they'll do the others in groups of four until they get 25. And then they'll go back and reevaluate if there's any sort of big discrepancies and and whether they want to reevaluate. So, uh, so, you know, which, which I think works in some ways and is interesting in some ways uh, that, that I don't love. So, you know, whenever we're discussing one through three, we'll double it up and we'll discuss six teams at a time. And same with each group of three, we discuss six teams at a time for that group of three, for the group of, uh, for the group of four, we'll talk about eight teams. And so, you know, but then it goes to secret ballot and sometimes the ballot comes up with disparate things, right? So like, uh, you know, one of the things was we were asked to, to rank one through three and we ranked one through six to find one through three. You know, I had Florida State as my number five after going through the numbers and looking at the data and, and you know, rethinking some of that stuff. Other people had them one because they went undefeated. And so they ended up two, even though a lot of us were lower on Florida State than we were before, because ultimately it is a ballot too, right? So I, I think just to kind of to, to wrap it all up, you know, I went in kind of thinking that there would be a big focus on the top four on getting the teams that were actually into the playoff. And that wasn't necessarily the case. And the other thing was that, you know, I didn't necessarily expect the amount of disparate opinions that all have to go into one place. And so the way that you make up this committee and the way that you have those discussions are really important in the way that it happens. And so if you see discrepancies in logic in, in the top 25, it's because there are dis, uh, disparate sort of opinions in the room as well. You, you talked about all of the data and the information. I think the one question we as fans who watch it have always had is we have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. We have articles that you've written and and people have written previously who have been part of the mock committees. And so for all we know that they talk about, you know, this information and that we analyze this and how could they all watch every single game every weekend? I mean, how much data do you guys actually have access to? And and as data, data can just be a bunch of numbers, how easy to digest is all that data in a period of time where you can put together a top 25 each week? Well, the first thing that I'll say is that, you know, of course, when you go into the room and and with us media people, we're evaluating 2014. We're kind of just primarily looking at the data. It's not like we went back and watched every single game from that year. Right. But when you talk about uh, when you talk about the actual committee, they have access to an unbelievable amount of video, right? They're watching as many games as they possibly can. One thing too, is that this takes place over the course of multiple days, every single week. And so one thing that, uh, that chair Boog Corrigan told us is that one thing that often happen is for example, we, uh, you, you know, one of the, the games that we kept coming back to was, uh, you know, Arizona, Arizona beat Oregon the first time and then lost 51 to 14 the second time. And we wanted to get an understanding of what happened in that first Oregon game. Right. And so, You know, for us, you know, if we were in the real committee, what we probably would do is we talk about that on Sunday and then we'd go back and probably rewatch the game. And you have lots of abilities to do that. So you have access uh, if you're on the real committee you have access to the coaches film. So you get the the full all 22. You get different cut ups, you get different angles. Uh, You also have like a like an expedited version, right? Like sometimes you'll see like the, the videos that go up on YouTube that take away the time in between snaps so you can watch it a little bit more efficiently. So like you have access to all that information as the committee member. You're not just watching the broadcast necessarily. So you really are able to go back and rewatch some of that. So I think it's important to contextualize that when when the committee members come into the room, they've already done a lot of research. They've already done a lot of watching. Like, you know, but but when you get into the room, there's 
you know, you really get into the numbers and the data and the stuff. And so the first thing that I that I'll really point to more than anything is the way that the data is visualized when it's presented to the committee, I think plays a huge role in how the committee acts. And that's something I tried to get through in my article. Um, and, and, you know, they aren't the ones who came up with it, right? They have an independent sort of uh, group that that comes up with the data and put together the data in, in a digestible format. Because remember, these are a lot of 70 year olds in a room trying to understand numbers. They try to make it very easy to read, right? So the biggest thing that stands out whenever you're comparing teams and, and just to actually quickly take a step back, you know, wh whenever you're in those pods of three or four that you're comparing, you can, they have a tool where basically they have a comparison tool uh, that's online. Um, and so it's put up on a big screen and it's up in front of everybody. And you also have it up in front of you as well. Um, and you can compare up to four teams and, First, they'll, you know, at the top, they'll sort of say, hey, you know, here's record versus teams over 500. Here's record against teams that were in the top 25 from the week before, which it updates every week. It's not like, you know, it's not like they pull it up and say Notre Dame was number five when Ohio State beat them. Like it, it, it kind of re-ups every single week um, and then record over top 10 teams as well. And then but really, I think the most uh, impactful thing for a lot of people was you know, when you look at their schedules, because they'll put up their schedules and they'll have teams color coded based on basically like a simple rating, right? Like they have uh, sports source analytics is the group that uh, that puts together stats for the college football playoff. And they'll have like, if you are a top half team, like it, it's kind of a gradient, right? The the top 25 teams are like a bright green and it'll be like a lesser green all the way kind of to like a neutral color in the middle. And if your schedule has bad teams on it, then you'll kind of have varying grades of red, right? And so basically you're you're able to look up there and, say, and see, look, hey, this team played a lot of teams that are in our green zone top 60 or so uh or they played a lot of teams that are in our bottom 60 and so you're seeing a lot of red on the schedule so one thing whenever we were comparing because obviously you know we did the 2014 obviously people you know in this podcast i'm sure uh remember that year well you know when you compared baylor tcu ohio state and florida state so baylor and tcu both played teams that were one top 10 and obviously kansas state at the time was number 11 so really good teams Oklahoma also finished ranked that year in our rankings. And, you know, so a lot of really good teams, Florida state didn't really play many teams that were that level, but Florida state played a lot more teams that were top 60. So, you know, their, their schedule between 40 and 60 visualized a lot better on that board. Whereas the big 12 that year, you had a two and 10 Iowa state who was like bottom 30 in the country. So a dark red team on our, on our slate, you had, uh, you know, Oklahoma State was only six and six that year. They weren't very good that year. Texas Tech wasn't very good that year. And so, like, when you looked at Baylor and TCU schedule, you saw a lot of red, even though it was 500 Big 12 teams uh, The whatever rating they use, you know, the simple rating that they used really did not like those teams. And so you glance up at Baylor and TCU up on that board and you see red, whereas with Florida State and Ohio State, you don't see very much red. You see a lot more green even though, again, they don't have the top end. So, you know, all that to say, whenever you're comparing those four teams, the top, top, top end of teams really didn't end up mattering that much. It was the way that you looked at the board and looked at their schedule overall. So I understand now, uh, you know, in hindsight, if you're a committee member and you look up at that board, you're like, wow, Baylor and TCU's schedule was not very good that year, even though they played some elite teams.
And so, you know, it, it's just interesting to kind of think of it. And, and, you know, I know that we'll get into it a little bit more, but so when I'm thinking about what this means heading forward for planning for the Big 12 for any other conference, you know, you didn't get that much credit for playing legitimate top five or top 10 teams. Like if you played a team like Baylor and TCU did that played against each other, that was identified. You know, they they showed it. Uh, they, they actually had it highlighted if you had a head to head between the teams that you were comparing. But I mean, Oregon's going to get no bonus points for playing Georgia, uh, you know, this year, and they're going to get a loss, uh, you know, in exchange for it. Right. So like Oregon is out of the playoff mix because they scheduled that game. The, the, and when you kind of look at it, you know, yes, they would have benefited a whole lot from beating Georgia because Georgia's top three in the country, but you know, how much does that mean in terms of actually whenever the committee's there and looking up at the board and seeing your schedule? And, and they also had like a list of 12 key stats that um, not like total offense or anything like that, like advanced stats that um, that they kind of compare between teams. The same deal. They have green dots by the teams that are best in this category, red dots by the teams that are worse in this category. And so, you know, it, they try to make it very easy, easy to visualize. And so, you know, for me, if I'm if I'm a team trying to plan for that, I would much rather schedule teams that are in the 40 to 60 range in non-conference and try to schedule multiple of those as opposed to trying to schedule a marquee non-conference opponent, a top 10 type non-conference opponent, and then, you know, whatever group of five team and then whatever FCS team. I think that it is more important to try to have a bunch of teams that are in the top 60 type range than it is to have a top 10 team. And see, that's really interesting because it goes against the way we view scheduling. And the way we talk, you want to have a marquee win, right? You've got to have that right. got to have that marquee win on your schedule to help you with the rankings. But I mean, the idea of playing, okay, we're going to play, let's say, let's say West Virginia. You've got two P5s and an FCS, but and Virginia Tech's not great, right? Pitt's good. But if you're playing, let's say we dog teams for playing three g5 schools in in non-con but they're they're, they're three good g5s that might be better off from this standpoint than having great p5 opponent and then bad mac team and insert fcs team if you have three finished well going bowling eight nine win g5 teams you might be in a better situation from that standpoint overall so do they care as much about like you had a marquee win like we always talk about marquee wins it's one of those talking points that that the talking heads on on every college network, especially ESPN's playoff show, like they was the mark got to have that marquee win, got to have that marquee win. It doesn't seem like to the committee a marquee win matters nearly as much as just schedule balance. Yeah, I think just the way that it's visualized, I, I think that balance is more important now. If you've played no top 10 teams, I think that that probably would end up dinging you, but you don't have to have beaten Ohio State to make the playoff, right? I mean, I think it's a different scenario maybe if you're Cincinnati and you kind of need that win to pull you up, but if you're a power five team, you know, what they're looking at more than anything is, is you know, how many losses do you have? That's that's the first thing that you're eliminated by, right? If you have two losses, then we kind of put you to the side relative to other teams. Like that's just, that's just how the game works. Um, but, you know, for example, we talked more about Ole Miss losing 30-0 to Arkansas than we did about Ole Miss beating number one Alabama, like just because of the way that things worked out when we were comparing teams, right? We we wanted to get an understanding of what you were week to week every single time that you went out on a football field and not, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm even kind of running into this right now. It's in a funny way, too, where like you know, I put out my top 25 rankings every week right now. I don't have Texas Tech ranked. And it's like, you know, 
how replicable is what Texas Tech did against Texas specifically, as opposed to how replicable is what Kansas State did against Oklahoma or uh, what Kansas did against Duke, stuff like that, right? Like that's, I think, almost what took the forefront as opposed to being okay every single week and then having like an out-of-body experience one week, right? Like we wanted to get a better feel of what you were every single week. Um, and and again, when you had an opportunity to do that, I, I think that that really puts you in a good position. And, you know, one team that I'll mention, um, not a Big 12 team, is that, you know, we uh, at some point in the teens were debating between like Boise State and Wisconsin and LSU. And LSU had great wins and terrible losses. And Boise State went 11 and two. Uh, Wisconsin went uh, 10 and three. And we expected whenever we looked at their schedules that Wisconsin playing in a, you know, in the Big Ten would be able to have a lot of green and probably benefit them. You know, Boise State had more green teams on their schedule than Wisconsin did just because of the way that the ratings worked out. They played five teams that were in the top 60, even though they only played one team, I believe that was in the top 30. So like that actually ended up convincing us to vote Boise State ahead of Wisconsin because they did a similar thing and and we had this preconceived notion of what a Mountain West schedule would be well then we saw it up on the board and you see that the Big Ten is actually the Big Ten West and that's not that impressive you know that sort of stuff matters and so I think that um, I, I think that you know definitely having a big win is big but you know and, and when you get to the top right when you're talking the top four I think that you need to have some top 10 victories like I don't think that you can make it all the way to the playoff into the top four without beating a top 10 team most likely but um you know it can get you really dang far and I mean you know Michigan State went 0-2 against the top 10 and finished number eight still right like we didn't we didn't ding them for that and so uh you know I, I think that having a lot of top 15 to top 25 wins it's probably more impressive than just having one great one and being inconsistent against the rest of your schedule. I would be intrigued by somebody actually presenting teams resumes in this way, because I, I have, I, this is the first time I've heard someone talk about that. It is presented this way to the committee, but I've certainly never seen anybody present it this way as far as on TV. You're not, you, you talk, well, it's the SEC versus Mountain West. So it's just better, but is it like what happens when you, if your SEC schedule is, you know, old Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Missouri, yada, 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 as opposed to a Mountain West team where you play all the other good Mountain West teams. So I would love to see somebody visualize that, whether it's on social, whether it's on, on TV, because I, I do think that would make for an interesting conversation debate. It's never going to convince the, you know, some people, but I enjoy those things. Hey, this is Jamie Steyer Johnson, host of the Cyclone Family Podcast. I host a show with my brother, Eric Steyer, and the two of us were raised in the ISU athletic department as my mom has coached women's basketball for over 20 years. Our involvement didn't stop there, and I've been a radio analyst for Cyclone Women's Basketball since 2019, and Eric spent his 2018 to 2022 years as a walk-on on the men's side. We get together each week to talk about what's happening in the world of Cyclone sports, whether that be current seasons, former players, or whatever else we find to be of interest. We'd love to have you join us. The Cyclone Family Podcast. When you listen, your family. Do you think Olive Garden can sue me for that? Okay, we are a Big 12 podcast, so I have to ask. Big 12 specific, what is, what is the advice you would give to Big 12 teams, current or future, obviously with Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and UCF joining the conference? And we'll talk about how the playoff is changing and what that means for this. But for the Big 12 itself, who the only, Oklahoma is the only team to have got it into the playoff. Uh, we, you know, OSU 
Oak Baylor both had two losses last year. Obviously, it's 2014, as you mentioned. But what would be the advice for the Big 12? If you're saying, okay, we, we, uh, we, we want to make sure that we're able to get a team in, what should we be doing? Well, I think the first thing that I will say is that I think that this new Big 12, I think, is going to actually compare pretty favorably with uh, with the rest of college football because of the depth, right? There's not going to be a team, uh, you know, look at this year. The worst team in the conference is probably West Virginia, and West Virginia is a, you know, the 60th or 70th best team in the country, right? Like they're right in that range where they'd probably be considered a neutral team whenever you're pulling up that schedule. And then you've got, you know, Kansas is top 60 now. Kansas State's obviously top 60. TCU's going to finish top 60. Texas Tech's going to finish top 60. Like if you pull up a Big 12 schedule right now with that comparison tool, you're going to see a whole lot of green. And I think that that's a great place to be. Obviously, you know, we're going to see that even more, I think, with these four new teams coming in because, you know, other than Houston, which is, careening down the board i think after after a bad start to the season uh you know everybody else i think is is going to be pretty comfortably top 70 75 in the country and there's not going to be a giant outlier somewhere so i think that just in itself i think that's a great place to be obviously you know you want to have a team or two break into the top 10 but i think that's manageable you know i think that's more than manageable with the amount of you know the baylor oklahoma state tcu like there's going to be a lot of teams that i think are going to be able to break in that top 10 uh, to top 15 range so i think the big 12 is in a good spot from that perspective uh but but again you know i'll, I'll repeat it again like tcu plays smu every single year i think that's going to be a great advantage for them if T if smu continues to be good but not necessarily good enough to beat tcu right i think that's a great place to be uh you know, I think that if I'm a if I'm a Big 12 team, you know, don't I, I get the inclination towards power five. I think that's only one part of the puzzle, right? TC is going to get a lot more credit for playing SMU this year than they're going to get for playing Colorado because SMU is a much better football team than Colorado. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that you have to eliminate it. I do think that whenever we pulled up those schedules, uh, having an FCS team on the board did stand out. They they basically ranked every FCS team, regardless of how good they were, whether you were playing North Dakota State or Texas Southern, uh, as being number 131 with the dark red, right? So, like, you know, I, I again, it, your team has to take everything into account. Sometimes you just want to win. Sometimes you just want to, you know, get to a bowl game. And the Big 12 only plays three non-conference games. So if you want a true gimme, then, you know, schedule a true gimme. But I think that that, I think that limiting the amount of FCS teams that you play in your conference in your non-conference slate probably does help. Um, but, you know, again, try to find teams that are in that 40 to 70 range uh, teams that are going to be average to above average, you know, if they pull up Baylor's schedule in the committee room this year, they're going to see a Texas State team that's number like 117 in the country, you know, and, and Baylor beat Texas State 42 to six. And they also would have beaten San Jose State, you know, by a good margin. They also would have beaten, you know, uh, whatever team you want to Wyoming. Right. And these are teams that are more in the 70 something range. I, I think that that sort of thing matters. And you can't you can't anticipate them all the time, of course. But uh, but I think that that's a good way to think of things is try to find teams that that are beatable but like give you enough of a bump that they show up on your schedule so you know you want to have a few marquee opponents i think that uh just in terms of conference reputation right like 
if you can get some signature wins, that helps. But if I'm a team that wants to compete for the playoff, I'm not selling out to try to play a top five team, right? I'm in no rush to play Ohio State. I'm in no rush to try to play Alabama. Um, and, you know, but but I think that ultimately, you know, the Big 12, I think, is in a pretty good spot heading into this new world. And, uh, and I think that, you know, even this year, whenever they pull up that schedule up on the monitor, I, I think there's going to be a whole lot of green on it. Yeah, I, I do think that just continues to reiterate the issues of scheduling all of your non-conference games out 10, 20 years totally. at a time. It just, it just, it's putting you in a in a spot where, hey, we've got a great team. We're going to be set up for a big run this year. And oh, by the way, this non-conference we thought was going to be good is going to be against three teams who finish with, you know, way below 500 and, and is going to ding us when it comes down to that evaluation. So uh, again, I understand, I understand the reasoning behind it, but it remains to be, you know, wrong uh okay last question for you today we know the playoff currently a four team is going to expand to 12 here in the next few years we know that uh, that six the six highest ranked conference champs are going to get automatic qualifiers to get in there'll be six remaining at large spots how much of this information or what is the thing that you think here looking at considering that because obviously some things are going to change. Not everything's going to change. I don't think know that the evaluation process is necessarily going to change. Um, what what applies now that you think will carry through to this expanded playoff? Well, I think that one of the things, just specifically talking about the Big Twelve, is that playing one v two, I think, is really going to help them uh, in their conference championship game. Because whoever wins that game in my opinion, is going to be in basically every single year uh, just because of the quality of the conference, just because of the quality of the the top two historically, right? I mean, you look back over the past several years, there there isn't a team, I think, that's, that, you know, whether it's Oklahoma playing or obviously Baylor, Oklahoma State last year, there's not a team that I think wouldn't have made one of the top six conference championship spots if they had upset Oklahoma or, you know, if, if Baylor had Oklahoma, uh, in Oklahoma State last year. So I think that from that perspective, the big 12 is in a really good spot um you know one big thing is i think that the game changes a little bit maybe with with uh at large spots maybe you can be a little bit more aggressive in scheduling maybe you can try to uh you know to target some of these teams at the top because you know i think that the big 12 typically more often than not is going to be trying to get one team in. They're just going to be trying to get their conference champion in. But, you know, I think that maybe if you're trying for at large spots, maybe you do try to get a little bit more aggressive with scheduling, try to pick up a few more head to head type wins with teams that you might be going, uh, you know, head to head against for an at large spot. Um, you know, I, I think that in a lot of ways, this makes the process just easier because, six of those spots are going to be taken up and you're really only going to be debating six teams who are pretty flawed. You know, that was one shock to us was once you got past the top eight or nine, we were talking about really flawed teams with really flawed resumes and really flawed schedules. Um, that doesn't mean that they aren't great teams that could have upset anybody in any given week, right? But it meant that you were comparing an Ole Miss who had a win over number one Alabama and by the way, uh, you know, a, a loss against Arkansas, that went 30 to zero, you know, you're comparing that against a team like Kansas state or like TCU or something like that. So I think, I think ultimately, you know, the big focus, especially in the big 12 should still be on just trying to win the conference championship and put together the most, uh, the, the best quality conference champion that you can. But also I think that maybe it does give you a little bit more leeway to schedule a little more aggressively. So, you know, if you, if you lose, 
if if your conference champion loses to Alabama, well, you know, maybe one, they still get in, and two, maybe they're still competitive for an at-large spot regardless. So um, I, I think that it does help kind of open up the field just a little bit. I think that it allows you to to withstand a loss and it not be completely devastating like maybe it is uh, in the way that the sport is set up right now. But I think that, again – trying to make uh, the, the best quality conference champions going to be top of, uh, of the priority list. And then also trying to uh, get everybody else in a spot where maybe they can be competitive for an at-large bid is going to be kind of secondary as well. Uh, we of course suggested you read Shahan's article at cpsports.com. Uh, we tweeted it out. I'll include the, uh, the link in the show notes for this Shahan, man, it is always a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to have you out there repping the big 12. I know you're national now and that's awesome. Uh, I don't you absolutely deserve it, but we appreciate you being a strong voice for uh, the conference that you know very, very well. Uh, do me a favor. What else do you want to plug? What else do you want to push out? Just hit it. All of it. Yeah. So again, make sure and check out my article at cbssports.com. Also repost it on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. Make sure and check it out. Uh, also make sure and check out the College Football Survivor Show. We talk about the playoff every single week and we kind of made this uh, this show in anticipation of becoming 12-team playoff. So uh, the way that we kind of structure it is we have like a list of up to 12 teams that we consider, you know, not to use the phrase, but you know, to use the phrase on or off the island, right? Teams that are in contention or not. And so, um, you know, we get to evaluate that every single week. Uh, you know, Oklahoma and Baylor are in right now from the Big 12, although we'll see whether Oklahoma stays on the list after losing this week. That'll be kind of a point of contention, I, I think. So uh, it's a lot of fun and make sure and check that out at CFB Survivor Show. Sean, always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Can't wait to have you back again. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Podcast Network.